0: Morning, everybody. How's everybody doing? Summer's flying, right? Can't believe we're almost to mid-July. We're past mid-July. Um, that's really crazy. We're going to be in the Book of Acts still, in the Book of Acts, making our way through the the New Testament. If you don't have um, if you don't have a Bible, we have some in the back, the kind of green color back there. We um, I'm not going to have the scripture up on the screen, so we are going to be reading directly from the Bible if you brought it, uh, phone if you've got that. Um, Are we not grateful and thankful for the Word of God, that we have the Word of God? Can you imagine living in a place where you had no access to the Word of God? Thanks to John Wycliffe, many, many, several hundred years ago, who actually gave his life to put the Word of God into English for the first time. Um, So we are just humbled that we that we are able to open His Word, and so we want to come to Him and worship um, through the Word. Before we do that, let me just, a couple of things. Number one, tonight is the Marriage Institute, still have space if you want to come to that. I talked last week about all of our marriages get clogged sometimes, right, like a toilet gets clogged. Not trying to say marriage is a toilet, that's not my point, but they all get clogged, sewage lines get clogged, and if you don't deal with those clogs when they come up, it'll get backed up big time and that's what happens with a lot of marriages is they get backed up big time before things get dealt with and so we want to give you some skills on how to keep the clogs at a minimum and so that's uh what tonight is next sunday jason's going to be speaking doing an institute on the holy spirit uh good luck with that i mean (laughs) just (laughs) i remember what i did in the holy spirit and it was kind of it just didn't go the way i thought that morning um But that's great, you know, Jordan ended up in his text and John spoke in the Holy Spirit, I felt led to speak in the Holy Spirit about a month ago or three weeks ago, Jason, this was all totally, we were not corroborating on this, so I think God has some things to teach us. Let me say something about the institutes, there's been some questions about, you know, what are they, what are they for, why are they called that, I'm not sure why they're called that, but just a word we came up with or heard from somewhere. What we're trying to do is we're trying to have some options during the summer to equip people. We're trying to equip people theologically with skills, you know, the relation, like the marriage is a skill thing. Last week when Ariel and I did the one on how to study scripture, that's a skill to how to dig into the word a little bit more deep than just reading it. Um, the one I did on denominations, that's kind of an understanding thing. Um, this is a theological one on the Holy Spirit. Just the different things that we've done, we're just, we're trying to, there, there are ways to equip the body. And we're going to be doing more of this in the future, so just that's what that is. Um, I just mentioned my Sermon on the Holy Spirit, and if you were here and you're like, what was that all about? Um, it just ended up, I had a really short time, shorter than I expected, and I kind of had to wing it, and especially first service, didn't quite say it, probably the way I would have preferred, and we actually, Jordan and I had already planned that we were going to do a follow-up podcast after that one. And so we got together the next day and recorded something and I don't know if some of you've noticed, but if you haven't, the last three Sundays we do about a 12 minute, 10 to 12 minute little thing afterwards where we delve more into the topic. We've kind of tried to keep it to a time that on a drive from home to Country Mart that you could listen to it. So um, if that's something you want to, to get into. If you were here for that Holy Spirit sermon, you're a little bit like, I still don't know what that was about. I mean, hopefully you knew, but if you weren't sure, go listen to the, that podcast, because we really try to kind of make it clear. So, um, but check that out. And we've actually been having quite a few people that have been listening to that, but we just didn't want to assume that, not, that everybody knew. Um, two more things. We talked about last week, I mentioned, I'm going to mention again, we're halfway through, a little over halfway through the New Testament now. Getting close to the end of the book of Acts, we're going to be hitting Romans, Paul's epistles, the epistles of John, of Peter, um, the book of Revelation around Christmas time, which will be fun, and um, if you are not reading through the New Testament with us, this is a great time to jump in. Um, If you're like, I really encourage you, if you're not doing it, we've we've got extra ones, we've got some here, we've got some more on order, come get one, they're $5.00. Find a friend, and we've got some stuff to give you on what to how to read what the reading would look like. It's it's simple to do, and we're really just if you're out there and you're not doing it, we'd love to get you in on the rest of the New Testament with us. And even if you're like, I don't know somebody in this body, you know, contact the church, and if we have enough people, to contact we might be able to pair you up with somebody. If nothing else, with your family. Um, I know several families that are doing this, they're reading it as a family and talking once a week. I, Kieran and I are doing it and we talk by phone every weekend over the, the scripture, which is a lot of fun doing that with him um, up in Oregon, but just challenge you to, uh, to, to do it, even if it's just you doing it yourself, to jump in. And if you are visiting, I know I've met a couple people visiting, and if you're going to find in the next few weeks, like, how come they keep preaching on unconnected topics, it's because our preaching is following the New Testament reading. So, and we are in the book of Acts. One more thing, the next few weeks, um, Pat and I are going to be visiting some of our missionaries and some ministry partners, also a family in need that we know that's experienced a lot of loss and grief. Um, we're also going to tie onto that some chill time in the mountains and bask in uh and refreshing God's good creation. Hopefully, I'll bag a 14er. It's been a couple of years since I did one, and I want to get another one under my belt. So some others will be preaching the next few weeks. You want to be here next week. Peck Lindsey is going to preach. He's, he used to be the head of the Kansas-Nebraska Convention of Southern Baptist. David Manner, who was here about a month ago, who a lot of you really loved listening to him, um, he had David Manner's position two people ago. When 12, Before Al came, when 12th lost our pastor in the early 90s, Peck was our interim. And was a great steadying hand. And you'll love his preaching. Those of you who, like Steve, he's kind of nodding. Because he is the anti garran trust me. If I am matter, he's anti-matter. His sermons are like 20, 25 minutes. They're to the point. You understand what he's talking about. They're entertaining. <laughs> so, you want to hear Peck next week. Um, so just, yeah, challenge you to be here. So, before we get to God's word, we are going to be in Acts chapter 16. If you want to turn there. We're going to be in Acts chapter 16. There is a famous um, American theologian. I want to start with a quote from him. Uh, his name is Daniel Boone. He said, "I've never been lost. I was once bewildered for three days, but never lost." Uh, isn't that great? I love that quote, and I uh, that just makes me have a question. I'm curious, specifically in regards to like God's will and the direction He might want you to take in something. Have you ever felt lost? Or just bewildered, I don't know. But have you ever felt lost? I know I have at times. And so I really want to talk about, uh, I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. I mean, I've talked about the Holy Spirit. I've talked about prayer. Two interesting topics that need a lot of, you have to approach with a lot of humility. And I want to talk about the will of God, which is another one of those topics. Um, because there is no one-size-fits-all easy answers when we talk about the will of God. Um, but there's an important principle we're going to learn in the text today that I want to share with you. Um, so, we're going to be in a minute in Acts 16. First, I, let me set it up this way. I had a roommate when I got to Bible college. I had a roommate who prayed, who wanted God's will on everything. And even when he got up in the morning, he would go stand in front of his ties. We had to wear ties in Bible college. Uh, I don't even know what a tie is anymore. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I don't know where that came from. But he would go and stand in front of his ties and he would pray until God laid on his heart which tie to wear. Frequently, they did not match uh, what he was wearing. Um, And I was still kind of a new believer, and that never quite set right with me. Um, And, you know, over time, I became convinced of the first kind of main thing I want to say before we get into Acts 16. I became convinced of this, that the vast majority of God's will for my life is found in his word. The vast majority of his will for my life is actually found in his word, in his commands and in his principles. Um, I, at some point, will do a whole sermon on why I am convinced of that to make that case. But regarding the will of God, to me, the first key when I'm thinking of the will of God is I've got to start with the word of God when I'm thinking the will of God. Um, I really do believe, here's what I'm convinced of, that God's main desire for me and for you is not to make decisions for us, is but to make us into wise decision makers. That's the thing God most wants for all of us. I mean, it's that way with anybody who's a parent, right? How many of you wanted your kids growing up that you made every decision for them Always gave them your input, even as when they got into college and adulthood, that they're always coming to you and saying, what should I do for this? What should I dress? Where should I go? What class should I take? Do we not want to make our children into wise decision makers by instilling in them over time wise principles to guide them and to guide their life and to guide their decisions? Um, that was my parent. My goal, our goal as parents, it was to inculcate into them into those, those kind of principles so they could live well on a day, out, day in, day out basis. And, you know, as they got older, if they occasionally wanted my advice, I was happy to give it. But, I mean, you all know as your children get older, you just give less and less advice, especially as they become adults. And I really believe that's how God operates. Um, Let me illustrate it this way. When we lived on Congress Street, um, on our small house there, we had a yard. We'll see if that photo comes up. We had um, a fenced-in yard, right? And the fence, in a yard, a fence functions as a boundary. It keeps them in a certain place where there's safety, right? It keeps them from running out in the street or back in the alley where they get hit by a car because little kids don't know better. So that fence functions as a boundary that helps keep um, them safe. But inside of that fence, I really didn't care for the most part what my kids did. I enjoyed watching them play. Had Nelly yesterday at our house for a little bit. It's just fun to watch your granddaughter play, Right? Just go from thing to thing to thing. And I just enjoyed watching her live her life well. Um, And if the kids ever asked, you know, and so, yeah, we, you know, there was the fence. And we did try to inculcate some principles that guided how they played in there. Things like share and be kind to others. There there it is. Be share, be kind to others. Um, Those kinds of things. We gave them some principles to how to live within those boundaries. But for the most part, I just enjoyed letting them play and do what they wanted occasionally I might have an opinion. I might have an opinion occasionally on what they should do, like uh, maybe you shouldn't eat that mud pie after you've made it, or uh, hey, don't quit kicking the ball towards the house and those four windows that are just right there at ball level. Like, I would occasionally have an opinion, but for the most part, I just wanted them um, to play and to just to live well and to enjoy their life back there. And I really believe it's the same with God, that that as I grow he wants to make me a wise decision-maker through his word and so as I read his word as we're reading the New Testament I will encounter commands that he gives commands to do or commands to not do and those are those fences they're the boundary markers he's putting in my life that if I stay within the boundary markers it's going to keep me safe I will flourish things will go well right the Word of God also teaches me principles inside of those boundary markers that if I live by some of those things that my life will actually go better as I make decisions in my life within those boundary markers. Something as simple as Paul said, all things are good, but I'm not going to allow anything to control me. That's just a principle that he lived by. And if you live by that principle, life will just go better um, within those boundary markers. And so in knowing God and his word, that he gives me commands and principles, and I really believe that that's the majority of his will for my life, that I find it in here, and if I live according to that, that he's happy for me to make most of my decisions, and that when I make a wise decision, just like if my children make a wise decision, it, it, you, you smile, and it gives, you, you feel honored by that, right, that they've made a good choice, and I really feel like that's the majority of what it means to follow the will of God that sometimes I even have come to a fork in the road and we're going to in a minute we're going to get to the point of when god might have an opinion but In my life, and I have a major decision. Sometimes God might have an opinion. He might know the best route to take from me. He might see things I don't know, but sometimes both choices to him are good things, right? Maybe I have this career choice or this one, this job or that job, and it may be like either one is good. I really don't have an opinion. Just be a wise decision maker. Sit down and do a pro and con column, whatever. Talk to people, but just be a wise decision maker. I'm honored if you will make just a good choice, and I feel like that that's how God predominantly operates with us that the majority of time it's simply that i know his word i'm obeying his word i'm living by the principles he gives me and if i do that i will be making wise choices and that honors him and that pleases him as a father so when we talk about the will of god to me the majority of the time when i'm that idea of what's the will of god for your life i would say the vast majority of it is those commands and principles and if you're doing that and being wise that you are living for the most part you're living in the will of god you're living in the will of God. But I can't stop there, right? Because sometimes I did have opinions about something they did in the black backyard, like eating the mud pies, right? That maybe that's not the best thing to do. And I think there are inevitably times God does want to speak into my life because he knows things. Maybe he wants to have a work in my heart, or he knows something about a decision that I don't know. And... So that is really important, I think, that idea that God wants to speak into my life. And so we have to remember that we are not just reading a book and living by principles, but we worship and have a living relationship with a person, and that person is God, who is our creator, who is all-wise, and who is all-knowing. And sometimes he sees things that we don't see, and he wants to speak into our lives. So for me, 90 I don't know if this is right, 90% of the time, the will of God is me living wisely within the constraints and the things I learn in his word. Um, the written word is so important, but I also believe the living word is important and I need to stay intimately connected to him. I'm not just reading this for information. I'm reading it to meet and experience him so that I'm attuned to him so that when he wants to speak into my life, that I'm more likely to hear it. And so to me, the second key to the will of God is that, that living word. And this is what's so unique about Christianity. It really is the only religion that talks about God the creator being a father that I have a relationship who wants to speak into my life. No other religion has that. And if you think about it, to be honest, what, uh, which do you prefer for direction? Um, in the old days, before we had phones, people would give you written directions, like they'd send a letter, turn here, take this. Um, we got a letter one time, we were going to Tennessee to see somebody, and they didn't make one important detail. There was two exits that were almost identical, identical wording, but one was after the other, and they didn't tell us that, and we kept taking the first one. Pat and I did circles in Nashville for about... 20 minutes and I finally called and I said we're doing circles and he goes oh oh right if I were with you and he talked me through that and we made it there I would much rather imagine if you're in a big city and you're trying to get to several places wouldn't you rather have somebody sitting next to you who knows the place they know the roadblocks they know the shortcuts they know oh they just shut that road this morning I'd much rather have that have any of you ever used iPhone or Google Maps and gotten lost or the wrong place? iPhone especially, I don't know. iPhone uh, sometimes takes me to the weirdest places. Um, Most of the time it does well. I would much rather have a person, and that's the thing that Christianity offers, is a person to guide me when I'm needing it. Okay, so in all things then, I need to be rooted in my relationship with God. And that's why Solomon said in Proverbs 3, 5 to 7, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, if you acknowledge him, he will direct your paths. So there's that that need to not just know his word, but to be intimately connected to him. Intimately connected so that when he has an opinion, when I'm in the yard playing, and if he has an opinion, that I can hear his direction. Um, So I want to be connected to him. So I want to look at Acts 16 now. I want to look at a story from the book of Acts from last week's reading. Um, It's a story when God did have an opinion of where he wanted somebody to go and what he wanted them to do And how he directed them And to me it has several important principles my wife got to hear five of them yesterday, but i'm only going to do one today Um, Pat thanks for listening So acts chapter 16. I want to start in verse 1 Acts 16 verse 1 And here's what we read in the text Paul Came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostle and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they grew daily in numbers and then verse 6 Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia now here's a map of where they're at they're in what is now modern-day Turkey they've been in Antioch they've been preaching the word and they decide that they want to go into this region of Phrygia or they wanted to go east of Phrygia Galatia, and where he was actually heading was into Ephesus. He was on that, there's a major Roman highway, very major road, and that his intent was to head to Ephesus in Asia. Asia was probably the most important province in all of Turkey, had several large, very important cities, and Ephesus was the capital. He knew if he could get into that region, he could share the gospel with a lot of people. Let me just tell you some of the cities that he would have ministered to if he were in Asia. So you have Ephesus. Smyrna, Philadelphia, Laodicea, Colossae, Sardis, Pergamum, Thyatira. Any of those sound familiar? Yeah, a couple of epistles written of those. Almost all of the books of the churches in Revelation are in those. Those are cities, places that he likely wanted to go to. This would have been a very specific region for him to reach. But we're told in verse 6, he, Luke doesn't say much, but the Holy Spirit said no. And it doesn't tell us how, it doesn't tell us why. How did that happen? Um, But I have a hint, I have a hint. Friday, Mel and I went to the Prairie Park Preserve, and while we were there, I felt like I had a revelation from the Lord, not really, but we had this aha moment of maybe, how did God prevent them from going into Antioch when he spoke? We were on the, the road, and there was a lone bison right there, and you know, you don't want to get too close to them. We could have gone through the grass, but Mel and I a few years ago saw two rattlesnakes, on that hike, and Mel, Mel grew up around green mambas in Gangana, Okay, those things are deadly, so he's not a fan of snakes, right, Mel? And so there was no way we were going around the grass. So trust me, I tried talking to this bison, getting some sense. Mel has pictures of me telling him, "If you could move, that'd be great." And then, "What's up with you? Don't you listen to anybody?" Uh, I decided not to show those. He ended up laying down <laughs> in response to uh, to my suggestions that he. That he move on. Um, (laughs) So there we are. I I just wonder if maybe God, if God didn't use a bison to uh, to prevent Saul from going on, Paul from going on. So let's uh, let's go into to verse seven. And yeah, so his intent was to reach that whole area of of Asia. So verse seven, if we pick up there, when they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of God would not allow them to. So what Paul did then is he set his sights on Bithynia Pontus. That was another province in Turkey. Probably the second most important. A lot of major cities there. Um, Byzantium was there, which later became Constantinople. Um, Nicaea was there. If you remember in church creeds, one of the most famous creeds is the Nicene Creed. That was a very important city. So Paul was setting his sights on heading north into that province. But what we're told is, is just as he got to the border and he was in Mysia, which is the northern part of Asia, that the Spirit again stopped him. Um, we don't know what was going on, but it stopped him. The Spirit did again. Maybe another bison. Maybe it was a female this time. So the west part of Turkey, that province of Asia, was closed off to him. Now the north part of Asia, that province of Bithynia, that's closed off to him. And it's to me, it's really obvious that Paul's intent was to take to Take the gospel, not just to that region, but he wanted to take the gospel to all of Asia, modern Turkey, or Asia, Bithynia. He wanted to take the gospel to that whole region. That was what was central in his mind, but God had other things in mind because he stopped him not just once, but he stopped him twice. He stymied Paul at every turn, and I'm sure he was perplexed. John Stott, in his commentary on Acts, says they must have been in a state of considerable perplexity, wondering what God's plan was. And purpose were. Ever felt that way? Perplexed and wondering, what in the world is God's plan or purpose in this? What I really find cool is if you got into the weekend reading, Paul eventually did make his way to Ephesus after going to Europe, and it says he spent three years and about three months there, and though he did not leave that city, that the converts from there, the gospel spread throughout Asia because of his ministry, so God would eventually hit Asia, but not in the way that Paul intended. The other thing I find interesting, because God had this part of the world on his heart, is it appears that Peter spent time in this area evangelizing. When he wrote his first epistle, he wrote it to believers who were throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, so Peter had had spread the gospel in that whole area. Paul wanted Peter to be the primary one, not Paul. He had other plans for Paul. So look at verse eight. Now we're back in verse eight. So they passed by Mysia, or it, probably more accurately, they went through Mysia, and they went down to Troas. They went down to Troas. So that's where Paul's setting his sights now. Is he's going to go over to Troas? Um, it was in the northwest part of Italy. You can see it here on the map. It was Paul's strategy to go to strategic cities to evangelize where the gospel could spread. Frequently, he would go to capitals of the region or call it Roman colonies. Troas um, was both of those things was um, a capital of that region it was very important in commerce and trade a lot of people traveled there it was an important seaport the location Troas was so strategic Julius Caesar considered making it the capital of that whole area of Turkey he didn't but he was he was thinking about it but other than Troas there are no major cities in that northern part of Asia and there's no road that he would have taken so he would have had to have crossed over Mountains and mountain passes, and all of that. It would have been, it was not an easy journey. And so I'm sure again and again they're asking the question, what's God up to? So we come to verse 9, where it says that during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Come over to Macedonia and help us. So Paul gets to Troas, and he has a third encounter with God. With this vision of a man from Macedonia saying, come, come over to where we are. And then in verse 10, after Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I wish I could just talk about that word concluding. It's, there's a really powerful concept, but I dropped four of my points, which I'm sure you're thankful for. Um, so he crossed over and the rest is history. That was the beginning of the evangelization, evangelization of Europe. And as G. Campbell Morgan says, the invasion of Europe was not in the mind of Paul, but it was evidently in the mind of the Spirit of God. And just if you wonder, like, was God neglecting the rest of the world? I want you to know that uh, the gospel was already in Egypt by this time. Mark, among other people, had gone down to Alexandria. The Ethiopian eunuch who we read about had taken, become a believer, taking the gospel into Africa. So God was already in the move into Africa. The gospel was in India by 52, A.D. 52, into China, we now have it in evidence, by A.D. 86. So it isn't the God's ignoring the rest of the world, okay? He had people going other places, but Paul was his man for Europe. So I said earlier that I really believe that in the majority of my life, God simply wants me to wise decision maker, to know his commands and principles, that this, this is the majority of my living in the will of God, okay? Does that make sense? To me, that's really important. But there are times when God wants to speak into my life. And when he does, when he has information that I need, either about a decision or if he's wanting to speak in my life of a work he's wanting to have in my heart, which he did recently, and I'll briefly talk about that, I want to hear it. And I assume it's with you. If God wants to speak into your life, do you want to hear it? I mean, I assume we all do because we all ask a lot of questions. I think we all want to hear it. So I want to offer one key to me that's exemplified in this experience that's related to this whole topic. Um, there they are up in, going up into Europe. Um, and I just want to say something. In talking about this, I'm not offering a magic formula that works every time, okay? Don't take this as a hard and fast rule. I said it last week with prayer. I said it with the Holy Spirit. That's why this is so humbling to me. We can't put God in a box. But I do find, I think there's a lot of truth in this principle I want to share with you. Um, so here's what it is. Here's what I noticed in the story that caught my eyes m- several years ago. To me the most significant part of this story is that god's guidance of paul to europe it involved multiple and varying instances of direction in god guiding him it involved multiple and varying instances of direction you see it in verse six the first no we don't know how it happened but the first no you see it in verse seven the second no again we don't know how it happened but there is in the text a lot of people think there's a hint that however that no came, it was different than the first because it's a different Greek word that's used for the no, and there's, there's another thing in the text that's a little bit different. I'm not, I don't want to go into that. And then the third was finally a yes in the form of a vision. So God spoke to Paul through three different events, likely in three different ways at three different times. And man, I'm, I'm telling you, this thing of God directing through multiple things, we've seen it in Acts before. If you think of Philip, um philip is off somewhere i don't remember where and an angel comes to him and tells him to go to a road he gets to the road and the holy spirit tells him i want you to go stand be next to that chariot he goes over next to the chariot he hears somebody reading isaiah and he's like oh that's why i'm here the circumstance is pretty obvious and so he says do you understand what you're reading and it ends up in the salvation of the ethiopian music but god spoke to him in multiple ways and multiple times you see it with peter and Cornelius. Cornelius has a vision of an angel during prayer and says, send three men to Peter. Peter, while he's praying, he has a vision, not just one, but he has three. One, two, three, where God is saying, don't call unclean what I call clean. As soon as he gets done praying, there's a knock at the door, right? It's the three guys. And then God speaks to him, separate from the vision, there's three guys downstairs. Don't doubt it, I want you to go with them. He goes down, there they are. So God is, and then the Spirit tells him specifically, don't doubt. And so we see, even in Acts and other places, this idea with Paul that's similar. God led three different, in three different events, three likely different ways at three different times. So why is this so important? Why am I focusing on this in this story? Um, you know, anytime you're driving and using your phone direction, you're essentially using a GPS device. You know that? You're using a GPS. If you go hiking in the mountains... Uh, Not the places, I go places where I don't need a GPS, okay, where it's pretty clear where I'm going. But in a lot of places, if you go, you need to take a GPS tracker to know where you are and to not get lost. Because it's really easy to get lost in the mountains and in the the forest if you really don't know what you're doing. Even if you know what you're doing, it's really easy to get lost. In either case, what's going on with these devices is what's called triangulation, right? Triangulation. Rick, sorry if you've heard this before. (laughs) Triangulation. Triangulation requires three separate satellites to make a connection, and then that is how you're enabled to know where you are and to give you direction. Three different satellites. And I really am convinced it's the same way in the spiritual life, that when God does want to speak to my life, especially on really big important things, on really big things, when he wants to speak into my life or on things he's wanting to do in my heart, those are the two where I tend to find it, that I think he frequently triangulates multiple things so that I can know clearly that he really is speaking to me. Not just one thing, but he's doing it through multiple things. I really believe as a father, I wanted, when I communicated to my kids, I wanted to be clear, right? I wanted to be clear. And I believe God is the same, that he doesn't want to play games with us, drop a little hint, and leave us alone to figure it out. I really believe that in those big things that God many times uses triangulation. I'm not going to say all the time, but I think many times. I want to tell you, we see it not only in Acts, but many of the great saints of old who lived held to this principle. And they did so because Jeremiah 17 9 says that the human heart is deceitful above all things um, beyond understanding, right? They knew that just to to base a decision and say, this is the will of God on one thing, a lot of the old saints did not trust their own heart and how they might interpret the one thing, right? How they might interpret an impression or just one circumstance, and they didn't trust themselves. So you see a lot of this um, among some of those ancients, this talk that whenever God did guide, that they expected him to do it in more than one way so they could be certain. F.B. Myers talked about looking for convergence of factors. George Mueller, Amy Carmichael, Oswald Chambers, all relatively recent ones, all did this and wrote about how important with them. How many of you have read Henry Blackaby's Experiencing God? How many of you have done that study? It's very powerful. Highly recommend it. He spoke of the idea that if God has something important to say, that he wants to communicate, that he will not leave it to me just getting one message and really trying to figure it out. I mean, he can speak in one message. I'm not saying he can't. But most of the time, he's going to speak through a variety of means to make sure that I get it. Because he wants to be clear. And I just want to read some things he said in that book. He said, if you think God may be speaking to you, you look and listen for confirmation. I check to see what the Holy Spirit is saying in multiple ways. You'll find that a number of things will begin to line up and say the same thing. Things begin to agree in the same direction. I often see a pattern begin to develop, and I begin to get a clear indication of what God is saying to me, of what he's saying to me. I really believe that important matters, in important matters where God does want to speak into my life, especially about decisions or a work he's wanting to have in my heart. I really believe, for me, I'm looking for a convergence of multiple things pointing to the same thing. I'm looking for maybe that inward impression from the word. I'm looking for people saying things to me, for circumstances, for something I read. Um, I don't just take one thing and run with it as God's will. And George Mueller said when he wrote about the way he did decision-making and the will of God that if he saw this convergence, he would with a humble confidence step into that thing, believing that God had made it clear to him. And I just have found this in my own experience, that if God's wanting to communicate something important to me, he tends to do it via triangulation. He will tell me the same thing through a variety of means. Um, he did it in Indiana. We were there recently, and I was praying about a very important thing. And I, it, it, it's, if I told you what it was, you'd think it was weird, but it was important to me. And I was, I was asking for him to, to give me something, and I was writing some stuff down, and then I had this, like, this kind of aha moment, but I don't trust those single things as like God speaking to me. And we're, I'm sitting in the living room, and about a minute after I got that, a commercial came on, and the exact phrase that I had gotten was in the commercial, the exact phrase. And I was reading a book that day, and about an hour later, I turned to the next chapter, and the title of the next chapter was the exact phrase, okay? So to me, that was God saying, that aha moment you had, that was me speaking to you because he confirmed it with a convergence. That one's pretty rare. I don't usually get into that detail. But it happened to me again these past few weeks as we read the New Testament. There was a day we read something, there was one word that appeared three times on that day and God really spoke it to my heart that it was something I needed. The next day, it appeared again. Now only did the word appear again, but there was an Old Testament quotation that had that word um, from Nehemiah. Now, don't go looking through Nehemiah, I had to figure out what God's talking to me about. Uh, so I shared it with my quad group that Thursday, and I said, I really feel like God is wanting this work in my life, would you pray for me? That night, that very night, sat down with Pat, to a devotional thing with her, and that same word in that same Old Testament sentence was in that day's reading, the same night. A couple of days later, I'm driving down 12th Avenue, and a church had changed their sign, and they put that Nehemiah scripture on that sign. And I drove by, and I'm like, okay, God, I get it. The work you're wanting to have in my life right now is that thing. You're wanting to get more of that inside of me. I want to have that work. Would you please give that to me? Now, please, again, don't go driving around in you looking at church signs <laughs> to figure out what in the world. It's pro- I told you, 12th Avenue, it's probably pretty easy. Um, I'm not saying even I always hear, but I frequently find that when God is wanting to speak into my life, so I'm just living my life, living the will of God. This is the written will of God, right? Living by his commands, living by his principles, trying to be a wise decision maker to glorify him. And sometimes he does want to speak into my life. I'm always attuned to it or trying to be, not always, but trying. And when he does, he tends to do it through convergence to make it clear. And I'm a dad. I understand that. I get it. Anytime I want to communicate clearly to my children, I would be clear, right? We don't play games with our children. I hint something, but I really, you know, I would repeat myself. And I really think that's the main thing I learned from this story, is that God, when he wants to communicate, wants to be clear. And he'll repeat himself as often as he needs in whatever way he needs to get us to where he wants us to go. And I really believe the best way for him to communicate through us is through a pattern of convergence. Again, can he speak to me through one thing? He can, and he does, and I've had a couple of those experiences. Um... But I really, I parked my car in this whole convergence idea. That's where I parked my car, personally. And I want to tell you, if, if this is how God leads, you know what that means? That means I've really got to be attuned to him, and I've got to be attentive. And the way I be, I'm attuned to him, I don't remember who said it, but the way for me to stay in the range of his voice is to be in his word a lot, which is why we're doing the New Testament reading, to be in his word so we can be in his will, know his commands, know his principles. This keeps me attuned to him. And then I'm attentive. I'm listening. I'm trying to notice. What's, if God speaks to me in scripture like he did that week, laid something really heavy in my heart. Like, Lord, is this a work? I feel like it. Is this a work you're wanting to have? And then that thing got confirmed later. So it just requires that of us. Attunement and attentiveness. And I'm not perfect at it. Trust me. There are times I'd rather just do my own thing and not hear his thing. So please don't think I'm St. Garen or something. So let me summarize. I really, really believe that the vast majority of God's will for my life is in his word, the written word. To me, that's 90% of my Christian life is I know his word. I know his commands. I know his principles. I live within that fence. I try to live wisely within that fence. And I believe God is most glorified, not in telling me which tie to wear today, okay, But for me, just getting some fashion sense or being smart enough to ask my wife, does this match, right? And in doing that, I'm showing myself to be a wise decision maker, and God is glorified in that, that that's the majority of my life. But I also am open and I'm aware that God at any moment might speak into my life, and I want to hear it. I try to stay attuned. I try to be attentive. And I really have found that if it's a very big issue or frequently if it's a work he wants to have in my life, that he he will do it. Not just once, but through multiple means, through convergence, so I can be clear. So I can be clear. Let me just give some ending advice. And this comes from a modern-day saint that I love and respect, and it's what I've tried to practice. Um, especially if you come to a big decision of fork in the road. Here's what I do. Take it or leave it. Um, if I'm in a big decision, I will ask, Lord, if you have an opinion on this, if you know that one of these is better for me, you see something I don't, I want to hear from you. If you don't have an opinion, I'm going to be the wisest decision maker I can. And in the meantime, till I hear from you, I'm going to be going through the process of being wise about it. But I want to hear from you if you have an opinion. Um, Otherwise, I'm going to be wise because I know you're glorified through me as a child, a grown-up child, when I make wise decisions in your name. And then I say, if you do have an opinion, Lord, I need you to tell me clearly. Okay? Don't just say one, don't do it once. Like, just don't give me this thing in here. Or don't just give me one circumstance. I am needing you to do it in multiple ways and multiple times so that those things they are they're converging on whatever it is you're saying because I really want to be clear. I'm kind of boneheaded like that, right? I need clarity. So I'm like, Lord, if you have an opinion, please show it to me clearly. That's my request. If you have a deadline, and I've had some of those, where I've got to make a decision by a certain time, I'll be like, Lord, I have to decide by this day. So if you are going to triangulate, would you please do it by that day? At least an hour before I have to make the decision, or 30 minutes, right? God is frequently uh, never late. How's that go? He's uh, frequently something, but never late. I can't remember it. Seldom early, never late, right? But... If by the time the decision comes, if I have not, with, with, with a heart wanting to know his will, if I've not had a convergence of things pointing to something, then my, what, I dis, what I determine is, is God right now is just like me as a dad with my kids in the backyard, and he's like, Garen, both choices are good. You glorify me no matter what you do. You just be a wise decision maker, and I make the call. But I, I have a commitment, a pre-commitment most of the time, especially in the big things, a pre-commitment that I'll do whatever He says. And even if it's a hard thing, that I'll do whatever he says. And like I said, if I don't hear, I humbly make that decision. And finally, I am convinced of this. I am convinced of this. That if I, if my heart is to know his opinion and to do it, to hear and obey, if that is my heart. If I miss the convergence, if like God's like, hello, you know, I sent five things and you didn't hear any of them. I trust that God is good enough that he's not going to let me make a decision that's going to wreck the rest of my life. Does that make sense? That he'll be like, Garen didn't hear me on that. I'm going to shut that door before he goes through. Does that make sense? I trust his goodness because that's what I would do as a dad. That if my younger kids, when they were little, didn't hear, that I would, you know, Nellie. Sometimes, you know, when you have little kids, they're running, you know, to an edge and they don't know it. And you just redirect, you just grab their hand and redirect them. I trust that that's the kind of daddy is, that he's not going to let me fall off of a cliff and they'll redirect me. Okay, this to me is not the final word on this topic of the will of God. There is so much to say and talk about, but I just, I really believe, and this is what I think is a, a biblical approach to this one concept. So number one, 12, may we be a community who let the word of God richly dwell within us so that in most of our life, we know the will of God the written will of God. We know his commands, the things to do, the things to not do, and we live within those parameters. And then in that yard of freedom that we know principles, we know his word so well that we know principles that guide us so that we live most wisely and well within that. So may we be a people of the written word because to me it's most, most of the will of God in my life is his written will. And when it comes to his will that's like his opinion outside of the word about something for me to do today or some work in my life or a decision I have to make that's not in his word, may we be a people of the living word because that's where we need that. May we be people who walk with him regularly, we're attuned to him, we're attentive to him so that when he speaks that we will hear and we will obey. So can we all strive to be that kind of people? Could you stand? I'd like to pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this story that teaches me a really important principle that has guided my life in so many ways and so many times. Um, I thank you for your word and how clearly you've revealed yourself, how clearly you've laid out commands, you've built fences around our lives that when we live in, things go well, that you've given us principles so that we can be wise livers of life and therefore give you glory by doing that. But I also thank you that we have a relationship with you and that you sometimes want to speak into my life and into our lives. So, Lord, make us a people of your word. Make us a people who hear you, who are attuned, who are walking with you, the living word, first and foremost. And people who want to obey uh, whatever, whatever it is you want us to do, that we would be people who obey. We want to be this, we want this to be a family of people who give you honor and glory By obeying your word and obeying your leadings and hearing them. And so we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. And twelfth, as always, you are sent.